Blair Johnson, and you are listening to the Rock Student Ministry Podcast. For more information, you can visit www.fbcrockhill.org. Now a word from our high school and college pastor. Well, hey, it's great to be back with you on Proverbs 9.9. We started last week with a journey to the cross. Remember, we used Luke 13 as kind of our launching verse, verse 33, where it says, Nevertheless, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day. We we talked about how Christ was on this journey, this mission, if you will, from the time his feet hit the earth here until he was going to be crucified on the cross. And so last week we talked about some points that jealousy creates all kinds of issues, that anything worth doing takes preparation, that sometimes our mouth can write checks that our heart's not willing to cash. And so this week, as we continue on, I want to continue in Luke 22 and 23, but I want to give you some more points to ponder. Here, number one is sometimes God will allow bad things to happen for the greater good. Two, you shouldn't have to say your title to have one. Three, the world will cheer louder for your failure than they will for your success. Man, we got some talking to do there. And then four, God will use unlikely people at unlikely times. In verse 47 of chapter 22 of Luke, it says, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. We know that to be Peter. Remember last time we talked about Peter was one of those guys that probably frustrated Jesus and uh, also one of those guys that he just really liked to be around. But here, I think we almost learned that Peter wasn't very good with the sword. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. The first point is sometimes God will allow bad things to happen for the greater good. I mean, have you ever read the story and asked why Jesus? Have you ever watched the passion of the Christ and said, what did he ever do to deserve to be beaten the way he was and nailed to the cross? We read stories in Job where his possessions are taken and destroyed, his body is afflicted by sores, and Job can only assume God is persecuting him, hiding from him. He lashes out at God in pain and in anguish. If I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you made me your target? Job says this as he complains in Job chapter 7, verse 20. We hear stories even in the media today where migrants are trying to cross the border and they're, they're in the back of trucks and, and, and trucks have accidents and those migrants, migrants die. We, we hear stories of nursing homes where COVID patients were sent back and infected the whole nursing home and ridiculously and unjustifiably tens if not hundreds of senior adults have passed away because of that virus in an environment that perhaps could have been uh, handled much better. We, we hear of incidences of earthquakes, and uh, n- just recently I returned back from Puerto Rico where Hurricane Maria devastated that island because not only did it swipe the top half of the island from left to right, uh, or right to left, but it also swiped the bottom in the middle. That hurricane went across the entire island and destroyed it. And so we, we ask, why does a God allow bad things to happen? 
Well, the truth is he allows them to happen for the greater good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In this case, Luke 22.53, it was so that you and I could experience salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, so that you and I, who were once separated from the Father, could once again be brought back into a right relationship with him and after being bought with the perfect sacrifice. In verse 54, we read that having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. And now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out, and he wept bitterly. Continues on in verse 63 to talk about how Jesus was mocked and beaten. He was blindfolded. They struck him in the face. They said, prophesy, who is the one who struck you? In many other things, they blasphemously spoke against him. And then in verse 66, it said, as soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, came together and led him into their council, saying, if you are the Christ, tell us, But he said to him, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, are you then the Son of God? So he said to them, you rightly say that I am. And they said, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. This brings us to our next point, which is you shouldn't have to say your title to have one. See, we live in a in a world where people are jockeying for positions and title, don't we? I mean, they want to be the CEO. They want to be uh, the, the CFO. They want to be um, the head person on uh, boards that they serve on. They want to be uh, vice president of the company. They want to be general manager of the maintenance department. They want to be um, lead chair of their education department. Um, they, they want these titles. And I can remember after winning my second term on the school board that some asked me, do you want to be chairman or vice chairman? I can remember telling them that I didn't need to have a title to lead. And so my entire time on the board, I tried to lead that way. I, I didn't need to be the chair or the vice chair because you don't have to have that title to be a leader. And here in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs or from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into a fire, Therefore, by their fruits, you will be known. See, people will know your title, who you are, without you having to say it. Uh, 
Sometimes we find ourselves telling people that, oh, you know, I, I'm a believer in Christ. I, 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 I'm a Christian. Here's my question for you and I today. Do we have to tell them what our title is, that we're a Christian or that we're a church member or that we're a deacon or that we're a pastor or that we're an elder or that we're a Sunday school teacher? Do we have to tell them this for them to know it? See, Jesus didn't have to tell the title. They were telling him what his title was before he ever even said it. In chapter 23, then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were there more they were they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he had hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood vehemently, accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to the Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. And then it goes on to talk about in verse 13 that the, they asked the crowd, as they were accustomed to, for one to be released, who do you want? Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? One was a criminal and one was not. The crowd, therefore, started crying out with a loud shout, crucify him, crucify him. Brings me to our third point. The world will cheer louder for your failure than they will for your success. You know, you or I could do the greatest thing in the world. We could come up with a cure for COVID. We could come up with a cure for cancer. We could adopt hundreds of thousands of children and give them a, a home and an education and help them become very prosperous civilians within our community. We could be a war hero. We could be a politician who enacts changes and does things for the greater good. We could be a pastor who leads hundreds of people with the gospel to Christ. But all it takes is one mess up. And then the world will cheer louder for our failure than they ever cheered for our success. Maybe the place where you work, you find yourself doing things, and man, everybody there loves you. And then you have one uh-oh, one oops, one I can't believe that just happened. And the people around you will cheer louder at your failure than they ever cheered for your success. It's just the world we live in. And then in verse 22, it says, And he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. 
But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men of their chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested, and he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. This brings us to our fourth and final point today, is that God will use unlikely people at unlikely times. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Almost 10 years ago, I was leading a large group of people from uh, my previous church to Albania to work in the orphanage. I took a man named John Campbell with us, and John was one of those persons that everybody knew, everybody loved. In fact, he, he worked at Sam's Club selling windows at one point in his life, And I think the reason he got the job and kept the job and succeeded at the job was this guy knew everybody in Gaston County. But John was one of those guys that when I asked him about going to Albania on a mission trip 10 hours across the pond, he said, Chris, I I just don't know if I can do that. I mean, what do I have to offer? I, I, I have nothing. I don't even have the financial means to go. And I can remember saying, John, if you'll just trust God, He'll provide. Just tell me that you'll go, and I think you'll see something amazing. So John did just that. He, As a senior adult, he surrendered and said, all right, God, I'll go to Albania if that's what you want me to do. John, out of a team of 19 people that were going to Albania with us, John was the very first one to raise his money. But he didn't just raise his money. He raised enough money for two people. And then I can remember in Albania in the orphanage in the capital that John got to talking to those little kids, and trust me, they didn't speak his country talk, and he didn't speak speak ship. But I can remember John running around that orphanage and playing with those little kids like they were, like they were a hundred of his own grandkids. And I can remember walking up through the stairwells as we transitioned through the store, the orphanage from one floor to another, building cabinets and putting them in place and painting rooms. That you would always see John Campbell in this big, wide open stairwell right at the base, kind of where the common area was. And he would have a kid hanging off his neck and a kid hanging off his shoulders. And he'd have two or three on his lap and he'd have four or five sitting at his feet. See, God was using an unlikely person at a likely time. When those kids needed somebody to be a grandfather, John was there. I can remember coming back from Albania and John wasn't really feeling well when we got back. And just shortly after we got back, he went to the doctor and the doctor had diagnosed him with stomach cancer or some type of cancer in his abdomen. And it wasn't long after that 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 John passed away. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes God will allow bad things to happen for the greater good. We see this in Christ, and we see this in our lives. You shouldn't have to say your title to have one. Jesus didn't have to say he was the Son of God. He didn't have to say he was the Messiah. If you watched and look at his life through Scripture, you knew that's who he was. The world would cheer louder for your failure than they ever will for your success. Don't ever forget that, but don't rest there. They hollered, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Never, he's the Messiah, he's the Messiah, he's the Messiah. And then four, God will use unlikely people 
at unlikely times. For Joseph, he just happened to be the guy wandering down the street that had the privilege of carrying the cross to Calvary for Christ. Today, what will you and I get to do for him? Because we are unlikely people who should be ready to be used at a likely time. Until next time, have an amazing day.